Good morning. If you're visiting today, I'm Miguel Lopez, and I'm the associate pastor here uh, at Trinity. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Marcus Busnitz, our senior pastor, and I, uh, we really enjoyed that Sunday morning because he and I didn't have very many responsibilities. We had a guest uh, speaker and musician. If you were here, uh, you remember John Michael Ogletree. And, uh, and so, you know, it was just a great day just to be able to visit with folks as they came to church. Well, I was standing in the back, and, uh, you know, one of the ladies who's a friend of mine showed up at church and she said i came today because you're not preaching (laughs) (laughs) so then i thought all right i'm gonna go to the front of the church because people are friendlier they got to be friendlier in the front you know i get to the front and one of my uh latino friends says to me miguel has comido bien and i said si and she said se le nota can you believe that? <laughs> so let me explain what she said. She said, she says to me, Miguel, have you been eating well? And I said, yes. And she goes, it shows. <laughs> I mean, we just had Thanksgiving. Come on, you know, and Christmas is coming. But then the only, the only compliment I got that Sunday morning was actually from our guest musician. So after, after church, he and Marcus uh, went to lunch together and then Marcus asked him, he said, Hey, how, you, how old do you think that guy Miguel is? And he goes, man, He's got to be at least 40. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that guy can play piano here anytime. <laughs> um, our series uh, in December is called uh, Unto Us a Child is Born. And it's based on uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And so uh, last week, Marcus uh, began our series. And he covered the first eight chapters of Isaiah. And so you ought to go back and, and hear that message uh, on our website if you hadn't heard it yet. But the main idea was this, is that Israel was continually rebellious towards God. And uh, as a nation, they had uh, rejected God's light and turned towards darkness. And so God had to bring judgment on Israel. And by chapter 9, what happened was God began to speak about hope. And he talked about hope for Israel, but also hope for the entire world in the form of a child. So today's message is called Guiding Warrior, and we're going to have three main points. Uh, we're going to talk about the promise, wonderful counselor, and mighty God. So again, today's message is called Guiding Warrior, and we're going to talk about the promise, wonderful counselor, and mighty God. Let's pray together, and let's see what God has for us today. Dear Lord, I thank you that you're always faithful. Lord, you are the awesome God. And Lord, I thank you that uh, your word was written so long ago and it made a difference back then when it was written. But Lord, it makes a difference today and into eternity. So Lord, I ask you that you'd be the one speaking today, that your words would flow through me out to this congregation. Lord, that your words would touch every heart, that you would help anyone here uh, who struggles uh, with their faith, Lord. Any skeptic, I pray that you would speak to that person. And to every believer that's here, I pray you would strengthen his and her faith. Again, Lord, you're an awesome God, and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so our first point is the promise. So a long time ago, God made a promise. And here's some good news if you want to start out with good news. God always keeps his promises. So we want to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And you've seen this verse uh, likely on Christmas cards, maybe even already this year. And Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I want to camp out on that first phrase there where it says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The first thing I want you to notice is that the verbs are in the present tense. And actually, Marcus mentioned that uh, in, his, in his message last week. Um, so the book of Isaiah was written roughly 700 years before Christ came. 700 years before Christ came. And still, the promise about his coming was worded as if it had already taken place. Uh, it says a child is born, a son is given. So the fulfillment of this prediction, the fulfillment of this prophecy was certain. And it actually corresponds to an idea in the New Testament. So I want us to look at the book of Ephesians. And you'll see this in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning of verse 4. It says this, But God, being rich in mercy, verse 5, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you notice the verbs? God talks about these things in the past tense. Here he's talking to believers and he's telling us that if you're a believer, if you have trusted Christ, that he lives within you. And that your eternity is sealed and you can count on it just as if it's already happened. Notice he says, you're already seated in the heavenly places. It's already a done deal. I ask people all the time, do you know where you're going? Uh, When you move on from this world, do you know where you're going? And I listen to their answer. And, And a lot of times I'll hear people say, well, I think I do or I'm pretty sure I do. And then I ask them, well, do you want to be certain Because God says you can know for sure if you've trusted Christ. That's the whole reason he came. If you've trusted Christ, you can know for certain that you have eternal life. Now, I want us to look at the next slide because we're going to we're going to look at that verse again and look at that phrase again. To us, a child is born and to us, a son is given. God actually uh, allows us to see him in a state of humility. Really picture this verse. Y'all think about it. Almighty God was going to come as a child. The eternal father was going to come as a son. He was willing to take our nature upon himself. He lowered and emptied himself that he might raise us up and fill us with his Holy Spirit. We see that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That same idea, y'all, he emptied himself, gave up everything on our behalf. Now, what else does Isaiah say about this child? Well, again, let's look at that. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it tells us that when he comes, it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Well, we just looked at him in a state of humility, God becoming a child. But now this begins to talk about how he will be exalted one day. In its simplest form, what it means when it says that the government will be upon his shoulder is that one day he is going to restore all things. One day 
He is going to rule over all. Revelation uh, chapter 19 verse 11 tells us this. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. Verse 14. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know about you, but I want to be on his side. Okay. Um, so let's recap a little bit, y'all. Uh, let's look at this next slide and just be thinking about this. God made a promise a long time ago. It's about a child who would restore all things. And God always keeps his promise. Now, I want to ask you about this. When you go to weddings or, you know, when you've heard of weddings, if you, if you, I'm thinking everybody here has been to a wedding. Do you ever think about the vows that people take? Well, I think back on the vows I took when I married Connie over 30 years ago. And I still remember my vows. As a matter of fact, I also remember the first time I yelled at Connie. <laughs> okay. What happened was, uh, this is a few weeks after we got married and we were just going at it and she was just letting me have it. And I don't even remember what it was about, but finally I'd had enough. And so I looked at her and I said, quit yelling at me. And she started crying. <laughs> I look at her and I said, what happened? What happened? What's wrong? And she goes, you yelled at me. And I'm standing there like, well, you yell at me all the time. <laughs> she says, when I yell at you, I'm expressing my feelings. <laughs> she says, when you yell at me, it's to be vicious. And she walks out the room. <laughs> I stood there. I had two thoughts at the moment. Number one, I thought, I'm never going to win an argument with this lady. <laughs> the second thought I had is, but I made a promise. I got to keep it. Okay. Good news is God has made a promise. And God always keeps his promise. And when he promises this child who would come and who would have the government on his shoulder, he also told us he would be called wonderful counselor, which brings us to our next point. So let me ask you this. Let me just ask you this question. What if the most wonderful counselor was available to you any day, any moment, day or night? Well, I got more good news. He actually is. And his name is Jesus. He wants to be our guide. So let's look at Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And it tells us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. I want you to let those two words sink in for a second. Wonderful and Counselor. And let's talk about those two words one at a time. First, the word wonderful, meaning extraordinary, hard to be understood. One who works wonders. Think about the list of wonders that happened when Jesus came. It's a long list, but we'll just talk about a few things here. He turned water into wine, and I bet that made him popular. <laughs> okay, uh, He healed 10 people of leprosy. Think about it. That, we're talking about rotting, dying flesh, and he restored it to life. And uh, he raised people from the dead. But there was no greater wonder that he worked than his work of redemption. 
Paul worded it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. He said, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Think about the sequence of events that happened when Christ came. Because that's what we're talking about. And that's ultimately what Christmas is all about. But think about just from the very beginning, Almighty God became a man in the form of a baby. And he lived a perfect life. Began his ministry when he was 30. He was crucified when he was 33. And then think about this, the most amazing thing. When he hung on that cross, every sin that has ever been committed on this planet came upon his body. Every sin that's ever going to be committed on this planet came upon his body all at one time. And he bore the full wrath of God for you and me. He was our substitute and he took our punishment. Every bit of it is one miracle after another from God becoming a man all the way to when he died on that cross and paid for our sins. But watch this. He didn't stay dead, right? On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And that's where our hope is. Our hope is in him and him alone. And he offers a relationship with God. And he offers forgiveness and eternal life if we would simply put our trust in him. I want us to think about Isaiah 9, 6 again, where he's called... uh, He's called Wonderful, but it also says his name shall be called Counselor as well. Uh, So let's talk about the word Counselor for a second, meaning to advise well, consult, determine, devise, guide, or purpose. My own definition when I think a Counselor is this, someone who will listen carefully, say what I need to hear, but it still brings comfort. Um. When I think about Jesus in the role of counselor while he was here on earth, the best example I think of is in regards to the apostle Peter. So if you remember, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus when Jesus got arrested. So, you know, for three years, Peter's a part of Jesus' ministry, and he was in tight. He was in that that circle of those 12 apostles. But even closer than that, often you hear about Jesus pulling Peter and James and John aside. And so he was in that inner circle of three and you know peter had that strong personality and jesus told him ahead of time that before the rooster crowed on the night he arrested was arrested he said you know before the the rooster crows uh you're going to deny that you even know me and so here was peter think about that uh you know when jesus is arrested and peter is in eyesight he can see what's going on because he had followed so he could see what was going on to jesus you know in those night hours and uh, and here, you know, when people start to point out to him, wait, aren't you friends with him? And he began to say, I don't know him. I don't know him. One of the passages tells us that he denied it with cursing and swearing. So I don't blankety blank know him. And then the rooster crows. And then the story tells us that he wept bitterly. Imagine the guilt he felt, right? When daylight comes and here's Jesus being paraded through town. And he's being whipped and scourged. And he's taken to that cross. Imagine how Peter felt. And then the Savior dies. 
And then there's a few, those few days when they just felt hopeless. And then he rose again from the dead. Now, here's what's interesting is Jesus actually appeared to Peter, you know, and, and, the, uh, and the guys uh, a few times. But um, he still had to have a conversation with Peter about these three denials. Now, Jesus did not have that conversation with him the first couple of times he met up with him. Okay, so the story is, uh, goes this way. I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you. Uh, what happens is Peter and, you know, John, a couple of those guys were fishing and, you know, they hadn't caught anything and they hear a stranger from the shore. Do you remember? They hear a stranger from the shore and he tells them, go ahead and throw your nets one more time on the other side. And when they're pulling in all these fish, Peter realizes that stranger on the shore is the Lord. And so he jumps into the water and swims to Jesus. Okay. I don't want you to miss this. Read what happens with me, y'all. In John chapter 21, verse 9, it says, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire, charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Okay? Now, remember, because we're talking about Jesus being a counselor. He's already appeared to to Peter a couple times, but he hasn't had the conversation with him about these denials. Well, he was about to have that conversation. But don't miss this. Before that conversation, Jesus met him on the shoreline with a warm fire and food. What a way, what a setting right before he has this tough conversation with him. Okay, and think about it. A warm fire, right? Just how that makes you feel. And then food. And if Jesus cooked it, you know it was good. Okay, and so they have that time. And then and then the counselor has that conversation with Peter. The counselor, the Lord Jesus, had the ability to listen carefully, to think deeply, and to speak words that he needed to hear. Peter needed to hear, but at times that you and I need to hear. Um, I want to give you a few more words that Jesus spoke uh, to comfort those that followed him, y'all. In John chapter 14, he says this in verse 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. And he went on to talk to him about his father's house and how he was going to go and prepare a place for him and how awesome it was going to be to comfort those who followed him, but also to comfort you and me centuries later. There's another place where he says this in John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. He's talking to believers. Okay, It's going to happen. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. The counselor knows what we're feeling. And he gives us the words that we need to hear. I was about 13 or 14 years old. The first time I heard someone uh, use the counsel of God's word in a setting that wasn't in church and it fit the situation and it made an impact on me. So I was in junior high. If you're from the area, uh, this was T.H. Harris in Metairie and the coach was Coach Elliott. And I'm going to say this too. He was an African-American coach and this was back in the Martin Luther King days. Okay, so you still had just that racism feeling going on. And, and, and kids my age had an attitude when you would get an African-American teacher, you just kind of questioned, you know, uh, his ability as a teacher. Well, little by little, he won me over. And I, I just, a lot of things that I expected out of him, um, he surprised me. And like I said, little by little, my respect was growing for him. But the moment that I remember that had an impact on my life, um, one of the guys in the PE class, 
was just mouthing off at coach and being disrespectful. And I mean, from the time I was little, I just never, ever liked when people disrespected adults. And so uh, here's this kid. And like I say, he's being disrespectful to coach. And there was about 20 or 25 of us in the class. And it was just, we were just starting the PE class. And coach looked at him and he told him this. I want you to see the next slide. And he told him this. He said, son, the Bible says even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. And the kid looked at him and he said, what? (laughs) And coach told him again. He says, the Bible says even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. And the kid looked at him and he goes, what does that mean? And then coach said, (laughs) I love it. Sorry. Coach said, it means if you shut up, someone's going to think you're intelligent. (laughs) Now we all laughed, but I remember in that moment thinking this, thinking this coach, this African American coach knows the word of God because I don't even remember this, but back in those days, people had respect. You know, the majority of, of society in America had respect for the Bible. Things have changed somewhat, okay? But at the time, I remember thinking, this man needed to use a piece of the Word of God. And he was able to dial up the verse and use it when he needed it. And I remember thinking, you know, like I said, I was about 13 or 14. I remember thinking, wow, it would be cool to be like that. And all these years later, still working on it. Okay, now, <laughs> our third point today is mighty God. Here's the question, y'all. What if the wonderful counselor just happened to be all-powerful? What if the wonderful counselor also happened to be the mighty God? What if he wants to be our warrior? Again, let's look at our key verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. But you know what? His name shall be called Mighty God. Um, I think about Jesus. When I think about him in in his role as Mighty God while he was here here on earth, I think of a lot of examples. We're just going to look at a couple of them. One of them was when he was with his apostles. So he's with the 12, and they're in the boat, and the storm rises, and he's sleeping, and they're getting so scared because the water's coming over. Remember the story? And they think they're going to die. And so they wake up Jesus, and then the story goes like this. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. That Jesus actually was almighty God and could speak to a storm and cause it to turn into peace with just a couple of words. Okay. Another story is the soldier, a centurion, came to him, and, uh, and his servant was sick. And so he came and asked Jesus, will you heal my servant? But he also told him this, I'm not even worthy that you come to my house, but I know you can do this thing. And then Jesus commends his faith. And then the rest of the story goes like this. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 13, it says, And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. What an amazing thing. Jesus, Almighty God, so powerful that if he wanted to heal somebody, he didn't have to see him, right? 
because he's God. He didn't have to see him. He didn't have to go to the house. He could just speak the word and it would happen. One thing that amazes me uh, about uh, about Jesus and about him being a mighty God is that this warrior can actually move on our behalf. And we don't always think of him as a warrior, but indeed he is. Um, I want you to see this next slide. Um, sometimes God has intervened in history on a large scale. And so uh, when you read history, you, you have to dig, but you can find stories of how God has answered prayer and been the mighty warrior on a large scale. I just want to give you one example from World War II. This is during the darkest hours of World War II when King George VI called for a national day of prayer and churches across Great Britain were filled with people who dropped on their knees and were praying to God. Uh, you can find this article, um, you know, you can Google it, but it's called The Four Miracles of Dunkirk. And so, uh, you know, I recommend you, you, you read the story. Uh, but let me just read this one part about one miracle that God did. Something happened that historians almost 80 years later can't explain. With German tanks rumbling just 10 miles from Dunkirk, Hitler did the unthinkable. Some of you remember this, okay? On May 24th, 1940, the day King George VI called the nation to pray, Hitler inexplicably halted the offensive. For nearly three days, as England knelt as one, those tanks remained grounded. Nothing moved. You know what? There was no earthly explanation why uh, Hitler stopped his tanks on that day. And in fact, if you think about it, first question is, why did those tanks stop? But the second question is, why did they stop on that day when it just so happened, coincidentally, <laughs> that King George had called for a national day of prayer that very day? And many, many people went out to the churches or even in their homes and were praying on their knees. God can move on a large scale. God is the mighty God and he wants to be our warrior. But you know what? Um, he also works on a small scale too. And sometimes people ask about that. What about me? What about me in just my daily life? Well, uh, you can go to the next slide. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, you know, if we were to pass a microphone around in this room right now and just ask people, can you tell a story of when God has moved on your behalf and shown that he is the mighty God. What we would hear is stories like this about how God has provided a job or how God has provided a place to live or maybe a car. God uh, has provided a friend or an answer or he's restored a relationship. Um, recently, I don't know if everybody in church heard about this, but recently there's a family. I don't see him here today, but there's a family in our church that has been praying for 23 years for a kidney for their son. And lo and behold, God finally said yes. And uh, and he's been doing well for the last uh, month and a half or so. Um, but God also answers this way. Uh, he can provide peace that surpasses understanding when we're going through terrible trials. Or he can provide the joy and relief of forgiveness. And I mean that in two ways. Uh, you can You can feel that from God. When you know that you've received forgiveness and you've trusted Christ. But also 
when you let go of bitterness that you're holding towards somebody, you know, in the past. And God can do that as well and move in that way where you feel that forgiveness just come out of you towards that person, even if they don't deserve it. And, you know, quite frankly, do any of us deserve forgiveness? You know, I would say no, but but God gives it to us, right? He offers it. The secret is this. You must love God more than you love whatever that request is that you're bringing to him. You follow what I'm saying? Right? Because we have our request that we bring to God, and he either tells us yes, no, or wait. And what he wants from us is to love him more than we love whatever that request is. So in closing, let me give you some thoughts here. Uh, let me close with a question first. First question is, now what? Well, here's four thoughts for you. Number one, Christmas is about a promise kept. That's really what it's about. Second thing, you can know the wonderful counselor, the guide. Next thing, you can know the mighty God, the warrior. Last thought is this. The guiding warrior waits for you to make time for him. If you're a believer, he wants each of us who's a believer in this room to make that time for God that nobody else sees, where you talk to him and you listen to him. And then if you're a skeptic, you know what? God still has his his arms, I'm sorry, his arms wide open for you. So let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank you that you always keep your promises. I thank you that you really are wonderful counselor and mighty God. And Lord, I pray for each of us here who hears this message. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in that way as wonderful counselor and mighty God, that we could know you better and love you more. Lord, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.